Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Hi, Brenton Ford here. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming podcast. My guest today is Dave Samuelson. He is the coach and founder of the Westchester Masters Club in Larchmont, New York. Dave and I chat about losing the limp in freestyle. And the way I came across Dave was actually through an article he wrote on the US Masters website, which was titled Losing the Limp. And a really interesting discussion about how you can make some adjustments to your, uh, your breathing stroke and your rotation to get more power from your stroke. And it's something I completely agree with and uh, a really interesting talk there. We also discussed some of his favorite main sets and some key principles that he makes sure he includes every workout. We chat about some common freestyle errors that he sees and how he goes about correcting them. And we also discuss a few other things as well. So let's get into it. This is Dave Samuelson talking about losing the limp. Well, well, one thing is, one thing we learned from the Olympic is that breathing is in. It is back. Everybody, you know, in the hundreds were breathing every stroke other than, you know, the walls, of course. And I think, I think breathing to just one side is coming back in a big way. And what you find when, when a swimmer swimming freestyle breathes to one side is they lift their shoulder on their breath side. And then because they're trying to crank it out, uh, they don't let their shoulder roll back down all the way. So they're kind of swimming, um, I won't say a 45-degree angle, but they're lifting their breathing side shoulder higher than they're lifting their opposite side shoulder. So what happens is you get one you know, a nice high elbow and a nice breath. And then the other arm kind of claws over the top of the water. And to repair that, and that, that's what I call the freestyle limp, where you're, you're kind of leaning to one side more than you are to the other side. And to repair that, uh, we've asked our swimmers uh, that when they come down out of their breath, that they glide a little bit longer and give that shoulder a little bit more time to roll into the power point position, right, where it's where you're pulling not just with your little shoulder muscles, but you've got your shoulder down a little bit and you're able to engage your pecs and your lats. At the same time, since your shoulders are connected, the opposite side shoulder gets to roll up a little bit higher and so you can have a relaxed ballistic recovery on the other side as well instead of that low claw that we see with people that do have the limp. Um, What's interesting is if you, you know, if you watch some of these superstars, and I'll speak of it from my um, biased American standpoint, um, if you look at uh, Katie Ledecky, she has that long glide after her breath. If you look at uh, Michael Phelps, you know, he really took off on everybody at the end of that IM. It was so exciting. But he was gliding off of his breath. And you mm-hmm. could see that a lot of coaches call it the gallop. And I guess that the gallop is the cure for the limp. But you're seeing that more and more. And we've been working on it, and I think, you know, among my swimmers, uh, they've gotten a lot out of it. I think it's worked very well for them. And some people, how can I explain this? You know how people talk about you know, how, how elite swimmers have a natural feel for the water? Mm. You've heard of that. Yeah. I think, I think that the feel that they have for the water is not so much, you know, they're pulling and they're kicking and all that but how they hide themselves from the water and avoid, you know, the, uh, the G forces of, uh, of all the resistance that builds up and also how they develop power and torque in the water. 
and I don't think anybody taught these, you know, Michael Phelps or, or I hate to be a name dropper, or Katie Ledecky, how to do this gallop. I think that it emerged naturally from them because they found that that's what's giving them the most power through the water. Mm. And, you know, most coaching is reverse engineering. You say, wow, that guy's really fast. Let's look at him underwater in slow-mo stroboscopic photography and see why he's faster than everybody else. Well, of course, that started with Johnny Weissmuller, who was always, you know, trying to escape alligators, and he swam with his head up out of the water, and for decades, swimmers were taught to swim with the water level with their eyebrows, like Johnny Weissmuller. And, you know, eventually we realized that uh, maybe he could have been faster if he tried it another way. <laughs> so, you know, we're looking at, we're looking at, um, you know, these swimmers and saying, you know, we've got to try this gallop. And I don't, I don't know whether that's the right thing for everybody, but I know that if you have that freestyle lip, as I've described it, described it, then gallop is the answer. And it seems to be um, something you're seeing more and more. And I don't think people are teaching that. I just think, you know, good swimmers are, are coming to that on their own. Yeah, that's um, that's something that uh, a friend of mine who I've also I've had on the podcast before, Annie Jones, she teaches that to a lot of her triathletes because she feels that she teaches the gallop because she feels like it's a, a good way to help uh, someone who may not be a natural swimmer. It helps them get their stroke rate and their cadence up and it can allow them to still swim relatively fast without having that great feel feel for the water that you see the, the natural swimmers having. So it's um, especially when you're in the open water, you generally need need that slightly faster stroke rate. The the galloping type yeah. of freestyle is, is really, really useful. And when you look at those great distance swimmers with, with Ledecky and um, Pellatrini, with the, the winner of the 1500, they've got very similar strokes because it's just so yeah. so efficient. It, um yeah, it, it doesn't really require a, a really strong kick. Well, you do want a good kick. It, it doesn't require as, as strong a kick there. Yeah, and and we used to urge swimmers to alternate breathe. And I think, you know, the, the elite coaches in the world that you watch, you know, standing on the sidelines, I think that they're getting away from that. I don't think you need to alternate breathe anymore. I just don't think that that's what's um, helping people at the end of the race, you know, by by getting fewer breaths, I don't think that helps you at the end of your race. No, no. So getting every stroke is back. Yeah, and it, a lot of times, yeah, if you, if you're heading towards the end of a the end of a race in that last fifty, it's a lot of times it's who, who's got the most most energy to bring home that last yeah. fifty, and that comes from making sure you're breathing enough. So, I mean, what we yeah. tell to our swimmers is that it's it's good to breathe every. You know, every third stroke or every fifth stroke occasionally in training just to keep it even. But if you're racing and you're going fast, yeah, you breathe to the one side. There's nothing wrong with it. Just go with whatever yeah. suits you best. And it's probably one of the, the main questions I get from newer swimmers is they they will be breathing every three strokes because they've heard that that's what they should be doing. And they'll do that in a race. But it, they're just coming out of the water so tired and fatigued because they're not able to get enough yeah. air in. So it's... Um, it's yeah. something that needs and to change in terms of education with, with swimmers. Yeah, open water swimming is by definition distance swimming. And the more, you know, the more, the better your rhythm, you know, the better, you, the better you're going to be and the more oxygen that you can get, the better you're going to be. Mm. Even with pool swimmers, if you're swimming 100 or 200 or something like that, we teach free breathing before you even get up on the blocks, get some extra oxygen, and then get into your pattern right away. You know, when you first dive in the water in a race, you feel like a million bucks. Oh, I don't need to breathe. 
I'll just keep my head down because I feel very comfortable. Or even if I turn my head to breathe, I'm not really breathing very well. Mm. So we're teaching that the time to breathe is as soon as you can and exhale really hard even though you don't think you need a breath. It pays off at the end of the race, and it really does. It makes a big difference. Mm, Absolutely. And and you coach a a master's squad, and I'm just curious as to what are some of your favorite main sets, your, your favorite workouts to, to do with those guys? Because I know most coaches tend to have a, sort of a bag of two or three or four main main sets that they like to uh, resort to. So do you have a couple of those that you could share with, uh, with us? Well, the answer is no, I don't. And honestly, I try, I try to almost never repeat sets in a workout. You know, there's always a different way to do things. One thing that I do try to do is I always try to give people something to think about. So even if we're doing, you know, 10 100s, which, frankly, we do that from time to time, there's always something different to think about, whether it's, you know, talking about the extra long glide or getting the, you know, the eyes straight down or getting the fingertips straight down, getting the neck up, getting the core, you know, sucked in a little bit. You know, trying trying to think about something. The one thing that you can swim to to exhaustion, but you can't think to exhaustion. You can just get lazy. Mm. So, but to be honest, there are some sets that we do return to, and you know, one of the sets that I like is is a butterfly set, and I like butterfly to look like butterfly. And if you start to get tired, a it's really not fly. It's something else, and it's not pretty. And and B, it's not training you how to swim butterfly. So we always try to swim butterfly fast. And to do that, we do short repeats. So we'll do a set of, you know, four 25-yard sprints. You know, most of the pools in the U.S. are 25 yards or 25 meters. So we'll do four 25s, and then they'll get a lap of easy swimming. And then they'll do three, and they'll get a lap of easy swimming, and then they'll do two, and then a lap of easy swimming. But each lap is just 25 yards. And as each rung of the ladder gets shorter, they feel like they can let themselves go a little quicker. Mm. And by the end of the set, they're moving pretty fast. You know, and very often, you know, we'll start with one and then two and then three and then four. And then as we come back down, four, three, two, we'll go up, we'll go up to five if I'm in a grouchy mood. <laughs> and then as we come back down, you feel better and better as you come down because the rungs are shorter. Um, and people are swimming really well. Mm. And we had, you know, that's a set that um, one lady who um, is 44, um, she won the 200 fly at nationals this year. And and that's as a 44-year-old. So she's really thinking she's going to do some great things next year, you know, and she changes age groups. Yeah, that's... But she never swam slow. It was never anything ugly. There was never any moth stroke. It was always butterfly. Mm. And that's so important, especially for master swimmers who are training for 50, 100, 200s, and, and even 400, is those shorter yeah. reps with you know, a little bit of rest in between, but keeping the quality of the technique up, the quality of the stroke up, and most importantly, the speed. Yeah. And you yeah, see... And I let them use fins once in a while, too. What's that, sorry? I let them use short fins also, because that, you yeah. know, gets them going faster. Still one horsepower. So it gets them going faster, and you know to feel the water coming at you faster is very instructive if you're going to race. I'll tell you another set that I that I'm famous for, and I'm starting because I'm getting famous for it, starting to lose its efficacy. 
I call them zinger sets, and we'll do a hard set, you know, like, um, you know, we'll do 10 200s. And then they'll get the cool down, and figure the, the set's over, and I say, well, okay, you're all comfortable now, we're going to do one more for time. And, some, and then sometimes there'll be two more, sometimes there'll even be a third. And by the end, I'm, I'm roundly hated. <laughs> you you want to be that as a coach though sometimes I, yeah. <laughs> no it's it's all in fun it's all in fun That's and good. they you know what if they if they didn't want to do it they wouldn't do it it's not like age group swimmers where a lot of kids are there just because mom drops them off these are people that um you know they're there because they want to be there mm. and they're very very competitive you know the 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 better swimmers are very very competitive and they know who's fast at what and and you know what? If if you beat me, I'm really happy because you really pushed me. Mm. And if I beat you, you're really happy because together we pushed ourselves. So it works out better for everybody. And as a, I mean, as a swimmer, I think back to when I was training a lot. I really liked those those sets where the surprise, you know, surprise fifty, surprise hundred at the end, the things you aren't expecting because then it gets you out of your comfort zone and. You've got to perform on the spot, and at the time you might hate it because you're already tired from the main set. But afterwards, you know you you feel that reward of having to taking that next step there. So it's at the time it, it might not be as enjoyable, but afterwards it, it it really it's it's really worth it. So as a coach, it's good cool. to throw those sorts of things in. You're right. You're right. And one of the things that, that you notice is that in the showers after one of those sets. Everybody is very excited. You know, the workout's over, and they just really, really push themselves. And they're, you know, they're all saying, "Oh, I'm more tired than you. You're more, I'm more tired than the other guy." And everybody's really, really excited that they just got one of those under their belts. Yeah, absolutely. Never, never nice when you first hear about it, but it's nice when it's over. As you, and you, you mentioned they lose their efficacy because you do them. Uh, yeah, if you do them regularly enough, and they start to get wary. Yeah. So I gotta, I gotta <laughs> lay right. off them for a little while before I, before I hit them with that again. I'll, I'll did, the same um, thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, I think you know, you need in order to swim fast, you need to swim fast. There's no way around that. Mm. And you can't just, you know, whatever you practice, that's what you're going to get good at. And if you practice swimming at workout speeds all the time, not going to win anything. Mm. I, th- I think one of the, the positive things to come out of the I guess the rise in popularity of the, the ultra short race pace training is the the need for race for, for race pace sets so where you've got the shorter shorter distances it's it's high reps with a bit of rest in between yeah. but you are going at race pace and while while I don't think doing just that is um, yeah is necessary it's really really important to include that into your you're training somewhere in the week where you are going at race pace. You, because... You're saying it exactly right. If, if that's all you're going to do, I don't think that in the long run it's going to help you. Mm. You know, you might be fast for a little while, but I don't think you're going to improve much. You still need to have that, that base. There has to be, you know, long hard sets and there has to be high speed sets. Uh, there's got to be a balance. And that's, and that's the one word that has so many meanings is balance. Mm. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And you speak to a lot of the top coaches these days, and and they're of the same mindset that it's really, really good to include, but it's it's not everything. It's almost like a you know, any any sort of craze that 
that comes out, while it will have some very valid points, you don't want to go all in or all to that side because um, yeah, it, it, that's not the way to do it with anything. It, it, it is about that, that balance and there's more than one way to do something. Yeah. yeah. And, and with, with your coaching, is, what are some of the common freestyle errors that you see, aside from the, um, the, the losing the limp that we sort of spoke about? What other things do you see majority of swimmers doing and, and how do you go about correcting them? The most common freestyle error is thinking that your freestyle is just fine and doesn't need to improve at all. <laughs> That's the worst freestyle error. To honestly answer your question beyond that, um, again, it comes back to balance. You know, there's front-to-back balance. What is your head position? Every new swimmer that comes to me, I do this silly little drill I call a snorkel drill, where I make them put their hands at their sides and push off the side of the pool as slowly as they can. And then they lift and lower their head while they hold their breath, and they see what happens to their body position as a result of where their head position is. So if you push off the wall gently, you don't want to get any speed. You just want to, you know, not just be floating still. If you look straight down with your eyes and two-thirds of your head is submerged, you find that not only do your hips float up, but your legs float up. And all of a sudden, you're swimming downhill. As soon as you lift your head, even an inch, and you could try this, even an inch, one second later, your hips drop. So if you picture a swimmer, that's um, trying to swim horizontal to the surface of the water, parallel to the surface of the water, if they lift their head, all of a sudden their hips are going to drop and they're going to lose cohesion in their kick. So we teach eyes down, neck up, and try to swim and feel like a surfboard. Be the surfboard. Mm. That's the zen of it. Be the surfboard. You want to be in an almost perfect straight line. The, The less friction you can create at the surface where most friction occurs is, is going to be better for you. Um, you know, and, and your side-to-side balance, you know, whether it's for freestyle, it's the freestyle limp, or if it's an uneven kick, which is usually, you know, often coaches will say, well, your, your kick is wrong. It's not always that the kick is wrong. It's sometimes that the hips are in the wrong place or the head is in the wrong place and it can't kick. Mm. So if your head's in the right place, it'll put your hips in the right place, and you can get a six-beat kick, or what I prefer to call more descriptively is a one-two-three kick. So for every you know, right arm, there's three kicks, and every left arm, there's three kicks, and you just got to keep it going and going and going. Now, of course, that's all been dashed to hell because if you watch Katie Ledecky, she has one-two-three kick on one side and then a one-kick on the other side. And it's disturbing me because I can't quite figure it out. Hmm. But she's she's an anomaly, but she's a good anomaly. Yeah, that's right. So I gotta I gotta watch that a little bit more and see try to figure out how that works. Mm. Yeah, she's um, it, it's actually good to see those exceptions in in the water because it gives you yeah. something to really think about and you, you try and you know just try and understand what it is they're doing, how it's making them faster, and whether it's something that is worth teaching to to your athletes. Yeah. And what you're saying, yeah, and different body types, different yeah. body types, you know, make for different kinds of strokes. If if you've ever tried to breathe every stroke in butterfly, I find it really hard to do. But Michael Phelps does it; he must be doing something right. Mm. 
He's been doing it his whole life. I can't do it. But they say he's got, you know, a very, very long torso as opposed to, well, I won't say he has short legs, but he has normal legs and a very, very long torso, and that's what, why he can get away with that. But I wouldn't, you know, if I ever tried that, I'm just the opposite of short torso, longer legs, and if I tried to breathe every stroke, I would, I would look like that ugly thing that we don't want our flyers to look like. <laughs> that's what makes coaching interesting is it's such an individual thing when it comes to technique is no one's the same, and it's... It's exciting to be able to work with the individuals and and give them you know give them a different plan of going about their stroke because different body type, different experience, and different strength, and a lot of things to to factor in. And we run a lot of freestyle clinics here in Australia, and we keep our groups really small because we want to give that yeah. that individual feedback. Yeah, and it, sometimes it takes a long time to study somebody before you're even ready to give them any suggestions. You know, you watch somebody swim and you think, God, there's something wrong and I can't quite put my finger on it. And I just say, you know, let me just keep watching because I don't want to tell somebody something that's, you know, that that I'm guessing at or, you know, it's kind of rote or, you know, you got to do this because everybody says you got to do this. Mm. I want to see what's happening with them. And sometimes I don't get it right away and it takes some study. You got to watch somebody swim for a while. Mm. And that, yeah, that's that's interesting. I've, I've found the same thing because we do, at those clinics, we do a lot of underwater filming and we'll film them from a lot of different angles. And it, it may not be, may not be until the, the third angle where you actually pick it up and you can actually see what what thing is causing an error. So it, it does require quite, um, you know, quite a close, a close study of them. And one of the things you, you mentioned yeah. earlier was uh, about the head position and body position and look, trying to be like a surfboard is sometimes the most basic and fundamental things are, can be the can be the hardest in some way. Like the what I love seeing about about really great swimmers is just their their posture, line, and balance in the water. It's just a really nice thing to watch when they've got that dialed in. Yeah. And um, yep. and it's it's very basic. It's it's almost like the the foundation of a house, that's what you want in place before you build up the rest of the stroke. But it does take yeah. a lot of time to build up, to build that up so they can maintain it when they're racing and hold it for, a, for an entire session. That's right. It, it's, hard, it's hard to keep yourself together mm. when you start to feel tired. And I, I often wonder whether you should be swimming at all when you're so tired you can't swim right because what are you practicing <laughs> and what are you getting good at? So, you know, when people start to fall apart, it's, you know, it's, they get the hall pass. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Is, uh, you know, I, I, again, I think back to when I was training nine or 10 times a week and there were some sessions where things would start to get pretty messy and yeah. I just don't, it just doesn't develop good habits. It, it develops grit and, uh, and the ability to really push yourself, but in terms of technique, it's it's not what you want to be practicing. So I think there's that fine line that you've got to almost judge yourself whether it's worth yeah. worth pushing on for the the fitness benefit. But when that yeah. stroke really starts to fall apart, take a break and then get back into it. But there's no point training with really poor technique because that's what's going to come out in a race as soon as you get tired. Yeah, I also like the idea of stress management, where you know if you're swimming and it's starting to fall apart. Do something else. Work on something else. You know, if, you're, if your stroke is losing its cohesiveness, get in and do some hard drills, you know, like a 
head high sculling or put some fins on it, do a long, a sharp fin set. You know, work on stuff where your cohesiveness is not as important, but you can still get cardiovascular and muscular um, work in. So there's always there's always something different that you can do, and I, we try to rotate the stress stresses around on a regular basis. I'd like to say that's you know the perfect world, but you know if, if you're the guy that only comes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and Monday, Wednesday, and Friday is the day that we work on one thing in particular, you're not getting the stress release. That, of, you know, the other stuff that we do on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Mm. So, you know, master swimming is is different, um, you know, than than age group swimming where people are actually there, you know, for whatever, 12 workouts a week. Yeah. Um, But if you, you know, we, I like to do long uh, sets with long fins where you're basically working underwater, you're going very fast, and you're doing your best to, like I say, hide from the water. You know, the faster you go, the more you can tell that you're not quite streamlined. And so I think fins are, are um, important for that. But also, if you're doing a lot of, you know, like, say you do a butterfly kick set with long fins, no board, you're taking three kicks underwater before you come up for a breath. Well, by the time you get done a long set of that, your oxygen is gone. Mm. And, and your legs have really taken a beating. So you don't want to do that for a couple more days. You know, maybe the next day you'll do a pull set and then a different stroke uh, on the next day um, so that you're, at least some part of you is always fresh. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And um, and that's why, I mean, when you are doing 12 sessions a week, like a lot of the age groupers, they, they've got their week planned out and you can see... Monday mornings yeah. generally like you know long aerobic work, and then they've got their their race pace work, and then drills and kick and skills and stuff like that. Because it's almost like going to the the gym. If you're working your you know your arms, your shoulders really hard one day, very hard to back that up the next day. So you, it yeah. is good to yeah. uh, to spread it out. Yeah, I agree. And Dave, where can um, you're coaching down in uh, in New York. Can you um, talk a little bit about the, the group that you're coaching and uh, how people can get in touch with you? Well, um, I'm. There's a Facebook page for Westchester Masters Swimming Association, and I think what's on there now is a bunch of pictures from the open water swim that we ran just this past Sunday. Um, it was a two two thousand meter open water swim from the beach in New Rochelle which is right next to where we train regularly in Marchmont. Um, I have an email address, which is timeguy, P-I-M-E-G-U-Y, at gmail.com that I use, you know, mostly for um, for swimming. Um, I mean, the, the best way is probably to message me on Facebook because that's pretty universal. Yeah, fantastic. So if, if anyone's uh, near Larchmont and, and looking for a, a master squad to join, then uh, go and check out um, Dave's squad there and get in touch with him through Facebook. And we'll put all those links up on the, the website as well. So if, uh, if you listen to the podcast... Great, great. There's also... USMS has a Places to Swim site, and we're listed on there as well. You put the zip code in, um, you know, you come up with us. Fantastic. Great. Well, Dave, thanks for being on the podcast and uh, really enjoyed talking, coaching with you and, and talking about swimming. And um, It's fun. And, Brent, thank you for, um, for having, having great questions. And, and, and I agree with most of the stuff that you say, too. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it, it's nice to 
think that uh, you know all the way across. I mean, obviously I'm in Australia. You're over in the states, and I mean c- c- swimming and triathlon. It's all a very. It's quite a small world once you you get into it. Um, and yeah. I just I just love talking to to other coaches, seeing what methods they use to help swimmers improve, and um, and the things that I really like. I like to incorporate into my own coaching, and um, never want to stop learning. So I appreciate your time, and um, all the best for um, for the rest of the summer. All right. Well, thanks. YouTube Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.